like I said, I spent way too long in the beginning and creating stuff that I just kept editing and editing and tweaking it to where I got to the point, if I couldn't shoot the video in one take, then oh well, it was going up. And I would get so many positive comments on the videos like, oh, they're such great quality in there. And I'm like, really? Wow, okay, then I need to crank out more of these then. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is Ryan Roten from RyanRoten.com. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Jared. We're fortunate today to have the world's greatest Scrivener coach, Joseph Michael. Joseph is the coach and mastermind behind LearnScrivenerFast.com, which helps his audience to learn how to use Scrivener in less than an hour. Michael Hyatt recently provided a testimonial for Joseph's course. Michael said, I highly recommend the Scrivener's coach course. It is very well done. So worth it. Joseph has also experienced success with his other sites, including recently hitting 1 million page views on his blog, Efficient Life Skills. He has been featured on Lifehacker.com and several other popular podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jared. I'm really glad to be here. Outstanding. Well, we've got an icebreaker for you. We ask this question to everybody that comes on the show. What is the best concert that you have ever been to? Okay, well, I was thinking about this, and my wife and I, we don't actually go to a lot of concerts, but we do, however, really love stand-up. So I'm going to kind of put a little twist on it, and I'm going to say the best concert slash performance we've been to was a Jerry Seinfeld concert performance stand-up show that we went to here in St. Louis about a year ago. It was just fantastic, highly entertaining. Joseph, let's segue into blank versus blank. We're going to give you a couple of options, and if you'd be willing to pick one and a short reason why. And Ryan, if you'd kick us off. All right, Joseph, would you rather make gender reveal videos or breakfast eggs? I have a lot of fun with gender reveal videos, so I'm going to go with that one. Uh, any particular reason why? Because they are somewhat suspenseful, and it's, I don't know, it's, I made one recently for our upcoming child, and it was just kind of fun to watch everybody's reaction. So I enjoy, I guess, the uh, entertainment value out of it, too. Speaking of entertainment value, what kind of email would you rather receive? An email from AWeber or from B-School? Let's see here. I don't know if I've ever received any emails from B-School or anything like that. Wow, you're the only (laughs) person online. Got to go with AWeber on that one. All right, so we got to talk about B-School. What's the story behind that? No, I mean, B-School is a heck of a program. I mean, it's it's one of the premium programs out there for learning how to do business online. It's just kind of an inside joke between Ryan and I. And it's like we everywhere you turn for a while there, it's like anybody promoting B-School, you know, because it only launches a certain amount of time every year. So it's funny to kind of just see it going around all the circles. I was not immune to those emails. (laughs) Great for the course, not so good for your inbox. So Joseph, going back to the gender reveal video, I have to ask, boy or girl? Boy. Hey. All right. Congratulations. Which has a greater impact, tying your shoes in five minutes versus making 3D ebook covers? Right now, I'm going to have to say tying shoes in five minutes. This was a post that I wrote on Efficient Life Skills when I was going through time when I was trying to teach my daughter how to tie her shoes. It was really kind of the post that put me on the map. I think to date, just that single post has had like over half a million shares. It's crazy. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And it's no secret. You're working with Andy Traub on some stuff. Let's talk about that for a second. Sure. Yeah. No, we got a big project coming up here. We're um, working on this easy3dcovers.com. It's a really cool tool that helps people create 3D images for their for their books, for DVDs, all that kind of stuff. So it really highlights, gives them tangible looking covers, artworks for people creating products and services. So it's going to be pretty sweet. I use it all over the place on all of my products. And I think it just adds immense credibility to whatever it is that you're selling. Yeah. And you can see some of those 3D book covers on display 
display on LearnScrivenerFast.com. Yeah, you can see a whole bunch of them there. I'm kind of obsessed with them. So Joseph, this should be a no-brainer, but would you rather use Scrivener or Microsoft Word? If I ever have to use Microsoft Word again, I don't know what I'd have to do. So yeah, I'm sticking with Scrivener. That's funny. I'm actually looking at our list of questions here on a Microsoft Word doc. So uh, hopefully I will be converted by the end of this conversation. So uh, since we're talking about Scrivener, let's give it a Scrivener plug. Your Scrivener view preference, the Scrivening's view versus the split screen view. Well, both great views. I am, however, a fan of the split screen view. I almost have my view set up in this way exclusively just because I'm always kind of multitasking or I'm always writing in one window. And for those who don't know, the split screen view just allows you to have like two editors in one window, pretty much. One window you can have like your research, like internet pages, all kinds of stuff like that in one. And your other one can just be like your Microsoft Word window, but it's all in Scrivener. So you can't do that in Word. All right, let's talk about fill in the blank or finish this sentence. We're going to give you the beginning of a sentence, and if you'd be willing to complete it, Ryan, if you would start us out here. All right, Joseph, help me out. When writing a blog post, I need to focus big time. No distractions. How do you focus? I focus kind of in a number of ways. I have to close everything else out, any other programs I'm in. Yes, I keep Scrivener open. That's about it. I do the distraction-free writing feature there. And I usually give myself a chunk of time. So I'm a big fan of the the Pomodoro technique, the 25 minutes. So focus for 25 minutes. I keep a pad of paper beside me. If anything comes in and tries to distract me, I simply write it down and keep on the task. That's helped me like crazy. So let's stick with efficiency here. The next finish this sentence, the key to becoming efficient in your work is... Constantly improving, tweaking your workflow, finding those new and better ways, and just constantly learning. So Joseph, if I wanted to change my boundaries, what is the first step that I would need to take to change my boundaries? First step to changing your boundaries. Ah, that's a good question. Probably just to take the first step, to step out small. I think that's kind of the thing I see with a lot of entrepreneurs is taking that first step is a lot of times the hardest one. I would say, yeah, just start small and take that first step. All right, Joseph, it's very clear you're big on tools and Scrivener is obviously an outstanding tool for writers. So tools are useless unless blank. Unless they're used correctly. I actually have an image of this picture that I love. It's on my landing page of a guy trying to climb a wall and he's standing on a whole pile of ladders. So he's got this perfect tool that he needs, right? But he's just using it wrong. So it's essential that you use your tools correctly. You know how to use them and make the most of them. So Joseph, I got to ask, I need to know, where did the idea for Scrivener Coach originally come from? Okay, well, originally the idea for Scrivener Coach came from a blog post I was reading from Michael Hyatt. I was using Scrivener for a while on my own because of uh, another guy we might know, Pat Flynn, mentioned that he had used it for writing, you know, one of his many writing projects. So I dove into it and found that it was crazy useful. So I was using it for a while. Then I, I seen that Michael Hyatt wrote this post of why he was switching to Scrivener for all of his writing. And then I read through it. It was just like dead on. I was reading through the comments. It had so many comments on this post. And I was intrigued by how many people were talking about the learning curve and how they've tried it before, but they gave up. And then I saw somewhere in there that I think Michael mentioned about like, if there was a course on this thing, I would buy that today. And I thought, hmm. Because I found the same thing. There really wasn't too much out there. There was a few YouTube videos. You know, they have this interactive tutorial, but nothing like really solid and well-organized and easy to follow. So 10 months later, it's out there. And no one else with the title of world's greatest Scrivener coach either, right? 
Definitely not that I've found. And I've looked long and hard for that. Now, Joe, there's a lot of people that might be listening to the show and they're thinking, Scrivener, writing, what? I'm not sure. This is a podcast. So mm-hmm. let's just break down Scrivener real quick for those who don't know. Sure. So Scrivener, everybody knows what Microsoft Word is. So think of Microsoft Word just on steroids is pretty much what Scrivener is. But it's got so many uses that I've turned people on to bloggers, especially, are really loving all the features because it allows you to stay organized. It's like multiple products in one. It's kind of the only thing you'll need. The idea is, is you can have Scrivener open and you don't need anything else. So you can bring in, like I said earlier, you can bring in web pages, you can bring in PDFs, images, everything inside the program. You can organize your writing into chunks and then compile it all in the end. But what it was mainly, the biggest benefit was for writers. And that's what it was really produced for in the beginning was because it makes it dead simple for writers to self-publish. We all know that's a big thing these days. With the push of a couple of buttons, it easily exports all of you know your manuscript into Kindle, iBooks, Nook, Kobo, all those formats. It does it all for you. So it's a really powerful, really amazing tool. So, Joseph, you had the idea from some of the comments in Michael Hyatt's blog. If you'd be willing to walk us through the process of how you went from the idea, hey, this was a good idea to create this course, to actually creating it. How'd you come up with your framework, so on and so forth? Boy, yeah. Thinking back, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was one of those things where it was like, oh, you know, I, I think I could create this in about a month. You know, I'll have this done in a month. So 10 months later, it's a lot more involved than it looks like from the outside. It started small. I first have to outline everything. This is going to sound like just like a major plug for Scrivener, but I use it and I love it. So I outline in Scrivener and that's one of the main things. So people who think in those terms, outlining top to bottom, make lists, it's made for those kind of people, which I'm one. So I outline the whole entire course in Scrivener. My idea was to keep it really, really organized and to take it from somebody who was a brand new person who's never seen the interface before to all the way by the end of it that they could have a really solid handle on it. They know all the tips and tricks and can use it. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you don't really know what's out there and what's capable until you see it. So I just began to map it out and slowly kind of elicited feedback from people out on Twitter. I was finding authors and people who I knew that were using the program. And, you know, I would just connect with them on Twitter. That's really how it all started. And I was just giving people free passes to the course. Hey, check it out. Let me know your feedback. And the users also helped me create most of the content in there. You know, well, I really struggled with this. I really struggled with that. And I kind of put it all together. I used a couple key plugins, a WP Courseware to help me create all the modules and the units, which was priceless. Highly recommend that. And then it sits on top of Wishlist member for the membership plugin. And I just kind of created it around a WordPress theme. I recorded all the videos. So what I would do is I would have a system to where I record the videos, them just walking them through my screen, showing them step by step. And then I'd edit the videos and then I would go back through and take screenshots of all those and put those in there. So it's full of screenshots and videos. And I just had a system where I did that for about six months. So I would really try to learn a certain part of it really well and then just spit it all out into this video and edit and re-edit, probably re-edited way too many videos. But after a while, you just learn to, hey, get it out there. And I think what's that quote that perfect is the enemy of done so joseph about videos real quick for someone who's listening who's saying hey i eventually want to create a course on my topic what's the best time in terms of length of time for a video in a course within a module so on and so forth like three minutes doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes like what's your experience on that 
Well, I did do some studying on that before I started, and I just used some of my own experience too. I know when I'm out on the web, you know, if I'm looking at YouTube or whatever, like three minutes max, and I'm distracted. So if you don't have my interest in three minutes, then it's over. So I decided to just take that same concept and put it into a course. And I think people have found it much more easy to consume, especially with a really complex software program. So I tried to keep my videos to two to three minutes. I think my longest one's like maybe 10 minutes. And that's going to be on like compiling you know, so that's a really in-depth feature. But for most of them, I just broke them out into smaller chunks. I think that's been huge for the success of the course because I've gotten so many comments on, man, I really love the short bite-sized chunks because it makes it so much easier to consume. And everybody's got a short attention span these days, including me. That's true. And I tell you what, Joseph, one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you are an action taker, but you're also a husband, a father. And as we talked about just a few minutes ago, soon to be twice blessed, you run three different websites. You are a full-time employee as well, in addition to being the world's greatest Scrivener coach. So what I really (laughs) want to know is how do you find time to do all of it? That is a great question. And let me tell you, it's not easy. It's been a struggle trying to find that time. It's been a learning process. And I think that's kind of a big part of it is tweaking it. So for me, I really tried to be that morning person. I wanted to be that person where I was like, you know, I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. and I'm going to get all this work done. And But I just I'm not fresh at that time. So mm-hmm. I just took chunks out of wherever I could. Literally, it's when you have a passion for something. And there's another quote. I don't know who said it, but if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way. Otherwise, you'll find an excuse. And I wasn't going to let this lack of time, which I could very easily say I don't have, stop me from creating something that I knew the market needed. So whether it was lunch breaks, I literally recorded certain videos because I do work full time still. I would record certain videos in my car during my lunch break. I mean, if it was the only quiet place I could find for an hour, I could record, you know, two or three tutorials during my lunch break. I think it really comes down to just finding that margin wherever it lies and just going after it. I mean, would you say five minutes is better than no minutes? I mean, what? Oh, man. What's a good rule of thumb there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing what you can actually get done in a good 15 minutes, completely mm-hmm. focused and not distracted. Yep. And if you start small, I would just tell myself, you know, I'm just going to record one little piece of this and that's all I'm going to do. And, you know, I'll worry about the editing later. I'll worry about writing it later. And then you end up actually finding ways to like do more because the momentum will carry you. Some days for me, it was early morning. Some days it was on my lunch break. Some days it was late at night. Some days I would have like a Saturday to myself alone at the house. And I'd be like, woohoo, you know, I get to like get a huge chunk of work done today. So it's a process. Joseph, you said something earlier that really caught my attention. You said you knew that the market wanted this. For some people, that's just not obvious. What's your advice or encouragement to the listeners who are trying to figure out what the market wants? Okay, well, this again was a journey for me. When I, Efficient Life Skills was my first kind of project online. I heard everybody talking about ebooks, right? Got to write an ebook, you know, and this and that. So I was like, oh, I got to write an ebook. Okay. So I spent like months writing this ebook and even more months designing it. And it was like, man, it was a great looking ebook, but my audience could have cared less about it. I don't, I maybe had one download. I mean, it was just like, I way missed it. They were not interested in the topic. So I told myself then, like, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to make sure that the audience wants this before I spend all this time creating it. It was like backwards, you know? When I first got that idea, after I saw Michael Hyatt post that and I saw those comments, it was like, okay, I spent really the next month like studying and looking around and I'd follow the hashtag Scrivener, you know, on Twitter, just jump into any forum I could find where people were talking about it and really try to validate that there was a need and that there was a high enough pain for people that they would actually pay for a program that would teach them how to use something better, which I was skeptical for a while, even creating it. So what I'd recommend to somebody is figure out if there is that pain point first, you know, look around 
found comments on blogs are like gold mines. I've gotten more ideas and more feedback from people just following and reading the comments on other people's blogs. And then as soon as you can, get that minimum viable product out the door. It doesn't have to be perfect, but get something out the door to where you can see if people are actually willing to exchange their dollars for it. Some people encourage this mindset of marketing before you manufacture. Have you ever applied that? I haven't applied that myself. The closest I came to that was offering, put just slapping a price tag up on a very unfinished product and talking about it on Twitter before it was finished. Like, this is coming, you know, mm-hmm. sign up now for the early bird list, that kind of thing. And then, you know, I'd have people signing up and people talking about it like, I can't wait. When's this coming out? And, you know, as much feedback as you can get before, I mean, it's going to save you a lot of headaches and a lot of wasted time. Don't spend time building an ebook or a course that nobody wants. Right. Well said. So there's close to 50 videos in the Learn Scrivener Fast course. So what doubts did you need to overcome as you were building that course? You, you knew people wanted a course, but then there's the process of creating it. So let's walk through that a little bit. What did you overcome in setting that up? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think just like any entrepreneur, you know, we're constantly facing these doubts. It was a constant battle of, is this going to be good enough? I always say I'm a recovering perfectionist or whatever, but it's not true. I'm not recovering. I'm very much a perfectionist. It's just, I like things to be like absolutely perfect. And they're just, they're not going to get there. They're never going to be to like my own satisfaction. So like I said, I spent way too long in the beginning and creating stuff that I just kept editing and editing and tweaking it to where I got to the point, if I couldn't shoot the video in one take, then oh well, it was going up. And I would get so many positive comments on the videos like, oh, they're such great quality in there. And I'm like, really? Wow, okay. Then I need to crank out more of these then. So it's that constant battle of, is it going to be good enough? Is to little things like, you know, my voice sounds horrible. I had a really hard time editing the videos because I hated listening to my voice in the beginning. Amazing how you get used to that, right? And then there's obviously the whole time you're building it is somebody going to pay for a product that already costs money, how to interpret that. And then, I mean, you could ask my wife, there's certain days when I'd be building it. I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. I don't think I can do this anymore. It's crazy. It's like, you know, the entrepreneur roller coaster. It's like some days you're all fired up and then other days you're just like, man, I don't think I could do this. Maybe I'm going down the wrong path. You're just constantly questioning yourself. So when I finally turn that hill and you finally start getting that feedback, that really keeps you going. But for a while in the trenches, I mean, it was a good six months before I was getting any positive feedback or any feedback at all. So you really just got to believe in yourself and believe in, in your product. You know, you just hinted at it a minute ago, but along the way, as you were going through your journey here to create this class, how important was it for you to surround yourself with people who are rooting for you along the way? Yeah, that's huge. You know, the famous Jim Rohn quote of that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I mean, if you don't have that mindset, because those people are going to be there to pick you up when you're just not feeling it that day. Or it's amazing that like so many times right when I was about to quit, you know, you'd hear some encouraging word from somebody or and then the very next day, something would just explode and go crazy. And I think people have referred to that, you know, usually the time that you're closest to breakthrough is right before you want to quit. And so without those people around you and when you're working, you know, you're in your little computer world. I mean, you can like block people out for a while and you forget that you need that that interaction that encouragement and sometimes it just it really helps to reach out to a friend or somebody who can encourage you yeah i try to hang out with ryan as much as possible (laughs) ryan's the man ryan's awesome i have one more question for you we got several more questions i want to talk real quick about pricing so you were talking about overcoming those doubts and you had some encouraging people surround you throughout this process pricing how did you figure out how to price this product right out of the gate when it's the first time you know are people going to buy it how did you walk us through that Sure. Yeah. I had pricing was a big struggle for me. I think I've said that almost in every question you've asked me. <laughs> this was a big struggle. Yeah. I struggled with this. Hint, so, hint. Right. Yeah. Part of my doubts. 
I started out really extremely low, like I've heard a lot of people do, because I was like, oh, you know, I was just so afraid. I don't know what it is, whether it's like we somehow get so emotionally attached to our creation that it's like, well, if they don't buy it, then they're somehow rejecting me, too, which is totally false. So I started out really low with like one simple price. You know, I used Gumroad because they make it incredibly simple to just get out, get your product out the door and ship it, which I'm so glad I did now because it gave me that MVP to start getting feedback. I put like a $29 price tag on it and just said, let's just see if I get any bites. You know, if people buy that, then okay, I'll just go from there. So it was kind of just pick that out of thin air. I had no idea why I picked it. And it was just kind of a testing point. Like, okay, if nobody's going to buy it at 29, then I need to reevaluate my whole marketing, my whole angle on this thing. So, but people kept buying it and they kept talking about how, what a crazy value it was. And people were tweeting like, you've got to raise the price on this. I would have paid a hundred dollars for this. So again, it's that feedback. So that's why I say, if you can create something, get it out the door, even unfinished as quick as possible, because it's that feedback that's going to allow you to revise and edit and make changes. And so the more eyeballs I had on the product, the more feedback I was able to get. And I actually had a survey inside the course for new people. So that WP Courseware plugin allows you to put like kind of like tests and open-ended questions inside there before they can move to the next module. So in the beginning, I had those set up in there to gain feedback. So one of my questions was, do you feel like this was valuable enough? And, you know, would you purchase this at this price point or that price point? And I got a lot of awesome feedback that way. So and then I've just, you know, keep tweaking it ever since. And I keep getting more and more suggestions. And of course, the more people that buy, the more confidence you get and the more bigger credible names that you get, the bigger testimonies you get, you can charge more. And I just keep adding and adding and adding content to it. So it just kept increasing in value. And I'm still testing. I'm still learning. I'm still tweaking it. Joseph, what lessons can we learn from Michelangelo and the painting of the Sistine Chapel? I'm sure there's a ton of lessons we can learn from that. And that was actually one of the posts I wrote quite a long time ago. And he's that that much different than us. Like he doubted his ability to paint that at the time, you know, believe it or not. He struggled with doubts just like any of us. And when you're looking at a project in its entirety, it can be overwhelming. And I think that's a big lesson just for anybody is just like I broke down a complex software program into small chunks to make it manageable. I mean, I had to do that with creating the project as well. So I think that's what we can learn from Michelangelo is like nothing's too big if it's broken down into small pieces. Moving away for a minute from Scrivener, we mentioned already earlier that you do run three different blogs. So what are a few crucial things that you would recommend should be part of every brand's visual plan? I've been in design for a lot of years for my day job in my background there. So I think a lot of it, it kind of goes with the trends. So, you know, right now, a lot of things are heading towards the clean minimalist design. I think websites have a tendency to get really cluttered really quick, especially with sidebars. And there's so many things that you want to put in there. I know I've gone and had that battle with my sites like, oh, I just want to cram everything into that sidebar as possible. And it just really takes away from visual appeal and, and all those things. But I don't think visually it's not as important as the functionality. So I think when you're designing a site, it should be functional. So it should guide your visitors in the door and think about where you want them to flow. You know, you want to direct them to the content you want them to see. It could be the prettiest site in the world, but it can still be confusing on where they want to go and they might not see the certain areas of your site that you want them to see. So I would think of it in terms of that and stop spending months messing around with a stupid logo because (laughs) I wouldn't understand that at all. So Joseph, as we start to wrap up here, who is doing something that interests you? Who is doing something that interests me? Yes. Oh my gosh. I follow so many people. It's crazy. It's like a new day. I'll follow somebody else and add them to my list. I'm like, okay, I've got to follow you now. 
you're doing stuff that's interesting. Um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be on your podcast here. You seem to be like this master networker that's just constantly in touch with everybody and you've got all these things going on. So yeah, I, I try to hang out with Ryan as much as possible. <laughs> Ryan interests me yeah, for some different reasons. That's the key. No, Ryan is interesting. I love to see people out there hustling, people out there just creating stuff and overcoming all these doubts. I mean, it's a tough game to play, but just being in it, that's kind of where I started in the beginning was like, I have no idea how to do this thing online, but I just want to get in the game and just start. And it's amazing how many opportunities come your way. Like I had no idea I would ever create a Scrivener course. That was not my intention when I started, but it's amazing how things happen, the people you meet and where you end up going. So Joseph, as we're wrapping up here, what is the best place for the listeners to sign up for your Scrivener course and to stay connected with everything that you're doing online? Sure. Well, the Scrivener course lives at LearnScrivenerFast.com. There's also a blog portion of that that's brand new that I'll be adding content to, some YouTube videos, that kind of thing. You can find my story and all my projects and details about my online journey and my online business at josephmichael.net. So I'm starting to add some new sections to that too. I'm going to be adding a lot more behind the scenes stuff and how I created videos, how I did setup and tech talk and all that kind of good stuff. So and I'm, of course, I'm on Twitter at Scrivener Coach. You can always find me there too. Joseph Ryan and I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Final thoughts is there's no greater time, I think, in the history of business than to get started online, start hustling, start meeting people, make those connections and start creating stuff because it's just a whole new world. I think Gary Vaynerchuk said it's like the second industrial revolution. There's just so much opportunity out there and just get out and get after it. Take action. I'm sure I speak for Ryan, but we wish you the best. Best wishes with the baby. Best wishes with your business and your family, all those things. Thank you so much, Joseph. Thanks, Jared. It's been a blast, man. And thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Joseph. And also, Jared. of this picture that I love. It's on my landing page of a guy trying to climb a wall and he's standing on a whole pile of ladders. So he's got this perfect tool that he needs, right? But he's just using it wrong. So it's essential that you use your tools correctly. You know how to use them and make the most of them.